praise the Lord. Two verses of scripture this morning, pastor's text from John 10, verse 27 and 28. John 10, 27 and 28. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Jesus, we thank you that we're able to gather in this house this morning and start our year off right and take Sabbath with you and with your people. I pray you bless our pastor this morning. Use him mightily this morning to give your word and let us be ready for it. Let us receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to thank the praise team this morning. That song, the theme, uh, the song, this is the theme of my surrender, is definitely going to be the theme song of this year. Uh, it was one of the most beautiful songs. I had not heard it, and I didn't even know um, what to put down as a theme song for this year, but that is the theme song for this year. Uh, the theme song again will be, this is the theme of my surrender. It's all about surrender. Um, every year, We go into a new year, and first of all, let me say Happy New Year. I pray that you had a wonderful, wonderful New Year's Eve, and now that we're going into the new years, we're putting away old things, we're bringing new things to light, and as a pastor, we try to get a leading of the Lord for the year, and and, uh, we'll be talking about that next week. This week, we're going to give you some uh, direction as well, but it's more on the fasting that we're doing. We're starting a fast today, 21-day fast. And in that 21-day fast, we've always done it differently. And this year, the Lord instructed me just to tell you to fast at least one meal a day for 21 days. And I thought, boy, that's so light, that's so easy. And I didn't understand why until this week. And I began to pray about it. And through this message, the Lord made me understand why he done it the way that he done it. And you can do the uh, Daniel fast. The Daniel fast, you can look it up online. I'm not going to try... I may get it wrong, but I've never done a Daniel fast. When I fast, I always just go without food. That's just the way I am. That's the old way. And um, and if you want to fast more than one meal a day, you're more than welcome to do that. Over the years, we always have done one meal a day for one week, two meal a days for uh, the other week. And on the last week, we've done three meals a day, and we fasted a whole week together. It's a very hard fast for some because of medication and because of different things. And the Lord just said, just tell them that what I want them to commit to right now is at least one meal a day. And when you do a meal a day, let me explain how to do that. If you're going to fast breakfast and you usually eat at 9 o'clock, then if you eat at 10, you've not fast breakfast. Okay? You don't, (laughs) um, you know, it's like I'm fist, I'm, I'm fasting my lunch. I'm not eating at noon, but at 1.30 I eat. You've not fasted. Um, if you're going to fast lunch, you fast lunch. You don't eat until supper. And if you fast breakfast, you don't eat until lunch. And if you fast supper, that don't mean you get a midnight snack. Don't mean you get in your car and go to Walmart and get some uh, ding-dongs, okay? Like I've done before. So, uh, uh, you know, fasting a meal is you're fasting several hours there. And, uh, and when you fast, what are you supposed to do with it? Pray. That's what we got to do. And another thing that I want to just talk about the fast just for a minute, we're going to get into the word of the Lord, is that as we do this uh, fast, today is a different type of fast to start it off. I'm not doing this to give you a license to eat on um, New Year's Day. The Lord said, on the first day of this fast, I just want the people to enjoy the day, and I want them to fast work. I want them to relax, be with their family, be with friends, and just have a time of relaxation. So I don't, if you're off work today and you got a million things to do, I just ask you, that'll hold one more day. God wants you to rest. And then out of your rest, you'll be able to do the rest of the fast. And so we're going to do that today, okay? Let's look at the word of the Lord one more time and we'll get right into the word of God. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. 
And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. I love several things about this passage of Scripture. There's a lot of positives, and I'm not going to be able to preach on all of them, nor is that my intended sermon here today. But our text gives us some very comforting words. He said, my sheep, first of all, hear my voice. There are some of, these are some of the most reassuring words that there is. These are some of the most reassuring words that you and I could ever hear within our lives. He actually states that his sheep hear his voice. You know what kind of blessing that is to know that God has given me the ability to hear his voice. That God has given you the ability as the sheep of God and the people of the people of his grace to hear his voice. That you and I can actually hear the very voice of God speaking. We can hear the voice of God for two reasons. Number one, this means that God is speaking to his people, that God has not become quiet mouthed, that God's still talking to his people. Can you say amen? He speaks three ways to us. Of course, there may be others. God can speak a lot of different ways. He spoke to Peter through a, 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 through, through a, a, a rooster. But he speaks mainly through his word that my wife is trying to get us to read. If you want God to talk to you, get in the word of God because 99% of the time when he speaks to you, he's going to speak to you through the written word of God. Number two, he speaks to your spirit. God speaks to our spirit. We're spirit beings and God's a spirit. And he ministers and he speaks to us through his spirit. And the third way that he speaks to us is through people. Whether we want to hear it or not, sometimes is not the case. But sometimes he'll send a prophet, a preacher, a friend, he sends a wife, he sends a husband, he sends a child. Benjamin and Jonathan and Samuel have spoken to me many, many times from the Lord. It's kind of strange. I remember being sick one time and Ben was a little bitty guy and he come in to pray for me. I said, get this kid out of here, I can't take no more. And, and Benjamin looked at me as a little bitty boy and said, you preach divine healing, but you're not listening, you're not practicing it. And he laid his little hands on me and prayed for me and God healed me. So sometimes you go, even a child can speak to you out of the mouth of babes. You have perfect praise. Can I have an amen? So God can speak to us in a variety of ways, but mainly of all, he speaks through the word, through the spirit, and through other people. But the second the reason why that God speaks to us is because we were created to commune with God. God created man for the sole purpose of him having fellowship and commune with him. Matter of fact, what was the first thing that God done after he created man? The Bible literally says that it was in the very beginning that God come down in the cool of the day in the Garden of Eden and there he communed with Adam. That was one of the first aggressive acts of God is that he came down and he wanted to talk to man. He wanted to fellowship with man. He wanted to have communion with man. And if there's one thing I want you to understand today, I'm going to be teaching. I'm not going to be preaching. I want to preach, but it's just kind of a, a soft spirit in me today. And that is that God wants to commune to you. God wants to talk to you. God is not elusive. He's not in hiding. He's not rejecting you. God loves you. There's nothing that you can do that keeps God from loving you. And at any time that you want to pull up a conversation, God will sit down and have a conversation with you. God wants to talk to you. And God wants to have fellowship with each and every single one of you. God wants you to come to know him in that kind of a relationship. God wants you to come to know him in a relationship of friendship and a relationship of sonship. There's different kinds of relationships, but he also wants us to have that relationship between uh, uh, the God's redeemed and him being God. Hey, can I have an amen? But we were created to commune with God. He speaks to us and we're supposed to be able to hear his voice. You and I are supposed to hear the voice of God. Can I have an amen? But I'm afraid too many of us is like Eli, the high priest of Israel in the time of Samuel when Samuel was being called of God. Samuel, the innocent young lad that was so ever sensitive to God at that particular time, he heard in the night hours God calling out his name, Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. While all along the high priest Eli was sound asleep and void to be able to hear the voice of God. Here was God's leader not being able to hear the voice of God but a young lad that was ever so sensitive to being called of God could hear it. And Samuel would run into Eli's bedroom and said, Eli, did you call? And Eli said, son, I have not called thee. And, and said, you know, you go back to your room. And he'd go back to his room and God would again say, Samuel. He'd run back to Eli, the high priest, and say, have you called me? He said, no. And finally, Eli figured out God's talking to Samuel. And he tells him the next time that he calls out to you, say, here am I, Lord. Here am I, in, my, in other words, I got an open ear. The question isn't, is God speaking? But the real question that we all have to ask ourselves is, are we hearing from God because God is speaking to us? 
I, I, all year it's, it, of 2022 was a very struggling year for me. As a leader, as a father, as a pastor, it, it was just very difficult. Everything was so hard. And every pastor that I talked to felt the same kind of thing. It was as if God was way off and every once in a while you'd hear a whisper from him. And when you'd hear the whisper, sometimes it was not so strong that you would want to sometimes question it. Did I really hear him? Was that really God? And there were other times in my life when, man, God every day seemed to be booming at me in the other years. But this was one of the most trying years of my life. And when we started coming up to the first of the year, I began to pray, oh, God, what is it you want for the year 2023? Everybody seemed to be getting it in their personal lives and everybody seemed to be getting it like in departments. Zach had a wonderful vision for his department. And the youth, can you give praise that God speaks to you, you pastor? <clears throat> and here I am just, man, I'm thinking, man, I'm getting desperate. And the Lord just tested me to see if I would just create something just to be creating something. But I want to tell you something. I have found out a long time ago, if God don't speak it, don't try to preach it. If God ain't in it, don't try to create something just to be creating something. You'll make a mess of yourself. So I decided I may look like a failure, but I'm going to go into the new year without a word from the Lord. I'm going to go in without a theme. I'm going to go in. I'm going to look like, you know, that pressure is a pastor to, to achieve, to, to be able to lead, and that's my job. And I thought, okay, Lord, but I'm just going to trust you. Well, Friday of last week, God began to pour it into me and the Monday before he began to speak a sermon to me, I started working that sermon up and man, it was all hot and I got it down to Thursday night and hadn't finished it quite yet. And all of a sudden said, now that's gonna be next week's sermon, but that ain't the sermon I want for this week. I thought, well, Lord, Lord, why are you waiting for the last moment? Why do you like, all of a sudden it just dawned on me, oh, hallelujah, but at least God's speaking. Oh, wow, I'm finally getting revelation. Oh, wow, it seems like the heavens are beginning to pull back a little bit. And all of a sudden, God, I said, God, I don't care if you speak in the night hours. I don't care. I'd gotten to the place. Oh, Lord, I don't care when you speak. Would you just please speak? I was getting hungry. I was getting desperate. I'd prayed earnestly. Hours of prayer, hours of prayer, and crying and fretting and worrying and thinking, what, God, I, 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 I know that our vision doesn't change in different things of nature, but the way that we push that vision, the way that we direct that vision, there's got to be changes to facilitate, to facilitate. I had an interpreter over here. Ain't God good? Some of you ought to do public speaking. You have a problem too. But I, I need to got, you know, sometimes we have to make room for the transitions that God changes in order to make that vision come to pass. And so I began to seek the Lord and all of a sudden the Lord gave me this sermon. And then I thought, Lord, you're saying that you want to talk to us. And the question isn't, is God speaking? It's whether or not we're hearing from him. And the number one question we got to ask ourselves, are we afraid of what God may speak to us and that's why we're not listening? Are we afraid of maybe him requiring something of us that we don't really want to do? Or what is it that's causing us to not be able to hear from God? Do we really want to know the direction the desires for us to take as his people? Or is it that we don't really want to hear that because we really want to take our own way? It's a lot easier. We want to stay in the comfort zones. We really don't want you to come down and get into our apple cart and challenge us. We really don't want you to come stir our nest. We really don't want you to come in and get involved in our affairs. We're doing pretty good right now. But when we need you, we want you there. When we really have problems, we want you to not leave us to where we can call upon you and you come through for us. But please, stay where you're at. Stay in your position as God over my life, but just let me stay at the level that I want to stay at. And the truth of the matter is they say that people will grow to a level that they've committed to, but the moment that they get to that full-grown commitment level, then the God wants to inform to commit to a deeper level and to mature, then challenge comes, conviction comes, and we close up. We resist, we balk, we hesitate. Come on. Then what begins to happen? 
what begins to happen is we perform Eli's of the church. We have old men that no longer are following God and the young are full of zeal and they don't have anyone else to direct them and give them wisdom on how to follow. The young's full of zeal and they come to the altars and they get fresh wind and they get fresh fire and they get up and they get all excited and they get their zeal and God begins to call out their names and call out their names. But even the elderly don't even know, tell them, know how to, know, don't know what to tell them to do with it because they themselves have grown to a level and they've stopped growing because they don't want no more challenge, no more conviction. They're happy where they're at. So we form a church that has an Abba, Abba Father mentality, but that's as far as we go. The Abba Father mentality is Daddy God. I'm glad that sometimes God wants to treat me like a dad and a son, but that's for the immature. There's times I need to crawl up in my daddy's lap and just weep. And I need to stroke in the comfort of a father. But there's sometimes I need a father that'll blister my hand in. There's times I don't need a father, I need a God. Come on, somebody. And we want these relationships that have love-based relational uh, bounds to them, but we don't want no strings attached to them. We don't want no responsibility with them. So what happens is uh, we grow to a certain level, our youth get on fire, they begin to grow, but they don't have anyone to follow because the elderly, talking about me, we, we have come to the place that we're no longer hearing from God because we're comfortable with what we've heard from him in the past. And every time we seek the Lord, we're looking for him to speak the words he's always spoken. And every time that he moves, we're looking for him to move the way he's always moved. And we always want to package it. You remember back in Nathan Cedar days, oh, if God would just move like that here. I don't want God to move like that here because that was packaged for that place at that particular time. It's not packaged for now. Oh, am I preaching okay today? I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Woo! I feel the heat of the states too. <laughs> Folks, you need to lift your hands. There's a sovereignty here right now. It's heavy. God's looking for a church that a mature that's able that when the youth come to them and say, hey man, I've been here, that they're not, they're more than just able to instruct them to go back and say, well, say your servant listens. Eli are been able to say as the high priest, that's God talking. Come on, son, men, you're gonna go in there and have a conversation with God. That man of God ought to have been able to lead him and direct him. Can I have an amen? He's the high priest. And we as a congregation are gonna have to understand that it's time that God is able to lead us past the levels of our commitment that we've always made in our past. Yeah, we may be on a higher plane and because that we may feel secure and we may feel comfortable, we may feel good about where we've come from. But if you can only see where God wants you to go, you'd begin to feel like a failure because you're living way beneath where he's wanting to take you. You're far beneath where God wants you to arrive. You've not obtained yet. How do I know? The apostle Paul said, hey, I press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I've not obtained. You mean the apostle Paul hadn't obtained? I haven't raised anybody from the dead as of yet. Well, maybe, yeah, one time we did in a, in a congregation. I take that back. We had a man down out the cedar, and it wasn't me, but a bunch of us prayed for him, and God brought him back to life. Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise. But if the apostle Paul had not arrived to his level of maturity, God forbid, I've surely not arrived to my level of maturity as of yet. And what God has fulfilled in us to bring us to where we're at looks good. Beautiful building, beautiful congregation, beautiful worship, beautiful people. But yet, if we're not careful, we'll get satisfied and contented right there. And the elderly will quit pressing and pushing and the 
what will happen is that the young will want to grow, but they're oppressed because there's no one there to lead them. And then they'll get to where they get depressed because they're not able to express what's inside of them. They're not able to express it out. There's no one to allow them to give them the, the leadership or the ability to do so because there's no wisdom in the gray hairs in order to be able to take them and to develop their callings that's inside of them. Oh, help me, Lord. Every assignment, every call of God, every visitation, every direction from God starts somewhere and it starts with a voice. It starts with God talking. It starts with awareness. God has specific assignments for your life, for our church, and even for our community. Amen? But the real question is, how do we discover them? How do we discover what God's got designed for Papa Bluff? How do you as a mother or a father discover what God's got planned for your children? Because you need to find out what God's got planned for your children so you can start developing them in that calling right now. Don't wait till they're 20 years old. Hey, I feel like I'm called to preach. Oh, wow, I should have been working on that for 20 years. It's getting quiet. How do we come to know his will for our life, for the church, for our family? It's a big responsibility. I feel it every single day as a pastor. I've been depressed. I'm used to hearing from God. And I'm here to tell you, even though God speaks to me and gives me sermons, it's not giving me the direction that I desired during the year of 2022. Pastors all over the country saying this. And what God has done, and I'm not gonna try to mess up my sermon for next week, but what God's doing is he's creating a hunger in the body of Christ. People are getting hungry. And it's separating the tares from the wheat. We're in a separating process, right? We're on the threshing floor. You and I are on the threshing floor of God. Whether we're pure, we're gonna find out because the wind's blowing and the chaff is blowing off and the real fruit's remaining. It's hard to go through those miserable times when you seem like you're not connecting with God the way that you've always wanted to connect. And that's a life of faith. But on the other hand, God is there speaking. How do we come to know when he's moving, when it, what he's up to, and when he's up to something, and when he's wanting to bless us, and when he's wanting, to do, wanting us to go certain directions? First of all, let's settle something right now. Are you ready? You ready for some profound teaching right here? I'm gonna give you something really profound. First of all, let's settle it. God is forever moving. God is always up to something, and God is always in the arena of blessing. He never changes. You don't have to wonder, well, I wonder if God's up to something. Yeah, he's always up to something. He's always moving. He's always got an idea. He's always got a plan. Oh, you know, say it like this if you want to. He's always got an angle. Every time he looks down at you, he's got a plan for you. He's got a plan for this church. He's got a plan for me. And even though I've known that through the years, man, I was getting, God, what in the world's going on here? And I'm still there to a certain extent. Somebody said, why do you call in your series that you're starting? I don't know. This is a faith walk. I know where I'm going next week and I know what he's saying, but I don't even know how to title it. And I said, God, I know, I know what you're doing. I know what I gotta say and I know the direction to start taking the church. But how do I put a name to it, a title to it? He said, you don't. Because I wanna tell you something. It's like, you're looking for a New Year's, New Year's Day present. I want you to understand every day is gonna be a day, a new day in 2023 for the palace. You're not gonna get a present just on New Year's Day. Every morning you're gonna wake up with new mercies. <laughs> every morning you're gonna wake up with new direction. Every day you're gonna wake up with new revelation. Every day you're gonna wake up with new inspiration. And he said, every day is going to do it, be a new day. There's going to be freshness. It's not going to be stale. Are you ready for that? I'm ready for that kind of a move. How do we come to know his plans? And 
especially in these perplexing times. I'm not gonna get done with this sermon. In those difficult times, how do we hear the voice of God? It's hard, isn't it? Especially when there's so many voices fighting and clamoring for your attention. Amen? You know, you start getting a direction, all of a sudden, there'll be 100 people call you and try to pull you in a different direction, and there'll become 30 different circumstances that'll happen to try to pull you this way or that way. As a pastor, it happens all the time. Me and Randy and Josh and all of us, Zach and Mike, when we're starting to do our sermons and getting really intense, boy, the phone will just start ringing over the wall. But if we're just gonna be sitting in the office talking about nothing, it never rings. The enemy knows how to try to fight and how to stop that flow of God speaking to us. And I'm here to tell you, start opening your ears because God's speaking. He's speaking to your home. He's speaking to your heart. And believe it or not, he's even speaking to your children. There may not be no signs of it to you, but God's talking to them. Well, my son sure ain't acting like it. Well, maybe we ain't either, but God's still talking to us. God's speaking to us because he loves us. In the difficult times, we gotta understand that God's still speaking even if we feel he's speaking or not. How do we come to hear him when it comes to the question that pertains to life like, who do I marry? What job do I take? Where do I go to church? What money do I sow into what ministries? And, and just on and on and on. You can, you can ask all kinds of different questions. How, how do we hear the voice of God in that? The answer could be found in the appeal that Paul made to the Romans in Romans 12, 1 and 2, where our song comes in. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed into this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what's that good and perfect will of God. If there's gonna be something I'm gonna be repetitious in in the next couple of weeks, is I wanna tell you, God's way is a good and a perfect way. You're gonna hear me say that I don't know how many times. You're gonna get tired of hearing it, but you're gonna to have to understand it. If it's so good and if it's so perfect, and you say, yeah, I agree with it, then why ain't we accepting it? Why is it that we're always wanting to resist it? Because we feel like our way's better. Our way's not better than his way. Our way does not yield the return that his way yields. You sow to the flesh, you're gonna reap with the flesh. You sow the spirit, you're gonna reap the spirit everlasting life. But we say, oh yeah, God's way's good. God's good all the time. If he's good all the time, why don't we trust him in his goodness? Am I hitting home? We really don't trust him in his goodness. His way is perfect. His law is enlightening to the converting of the soul. Can I have an amen? It's a good and it's a perfect way. He which begun a good work in you. Say good work. Because you're going to be saying it over and over and over before the month of January is over. You're going to be saying, man, I'm getting tired of saying that. You got to get it in your head because you'll never accept something if you don't think it's good. If you think there's a better alternative, you'll always yield yourself over to that which you feel like's better than the other. Put out an apple pie or a chocolate pie. Some's going to pick the apple. I'm going to pick the chocolate And let me tell you, there's not been nothing ever good grown on a coconut tree. Don't like it. Give me a pecan pie and watch me go to work. Hello? And the thing of it is, is if we're not careful, you and I will only obtain to that which, to the level of the commitment that we've made, but we don't want to go past it. Lord, have mercy on us. In the scripture, there are three-cord foe that cannot be broken, which involves praying, giving, and fasting. I preached a segment of this in a sermon in my fasting, and I went and found those notes. I interjected it in this sermon because the Lord laid it on my heart. It's good material, just a few paragraphs long. But the Lord made me understand some things about this year. It's very important. And you know, there's some stuff we got to go back and dig back up because it's good. And I tried to find it and I finally found it. I'm not a good organizer. Randy West has got everything. Oh, he makes me sick. 
Ask him where his sermons are. Oh, that's over here in this five. Here. Ask me. I got to pull out 20 drawers. They're just all thrown in there. I don't know. They're not all labeled and all that kind of thing. He's so perfect in everything he does. <laughs> Take it any way you want it. Is he looking at me? Look over and see if he's looking at me. Is he laughing? But the ten years that Jesus walked on the earth, he devoted time teaching his disciples the principles of the kingdom of God. That's his mission. He wouldn't let nothing interfere with that mission. Can I have an amen? He was a discipler. That's what he done. He took 12 men and with those 12 men made 70 and out of those 70 made 120 and out of those 120 it began to multiply and multiplication came and he turned the world upside down. He made an army through discipleship. And did you know you and I are called to discipleship? That's no secret. Now who in the world would be calling me right now? Is it God? I better check. He may want to be speaking through the cell phone today. But the truth of the matter is this, that you and I are disciples. All power is given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, teaching them to deserve all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. But how can we disciple if we won't hear? How can we disciple if we are always wanting Abba Father, Daddy God, and that's as far as we want a relationship to go? Leaders has got to have more than daddy God. They got to be prostrate on the floor and knowing him as holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, which is and which was and which is to come. He's more than just daddy God. I thank God that there's times when I need a daddy's there. But he's God. The everlasting, all-powerful, omnipotent, all-knowing, all-powerful God. And it's now we have the concept that we as the palace of praise have to disciple in order to disciple. We got to hear from the master discipler. And when Jesus taught the principles of the kingdom, <coughs> give me a drink. Hallelujah, can you hear me? Can you hear me now? A little different this morning. I rebuke you, devil. <clears throat> Got choked. But the principles that he taught always was contradicted by the things of the world. Everything he taught his disciples to do, the world was trying to teach them the total opposite. And his principles, therefore, did not bring comfort sometimes. They brought conflict. <coughs> so instead of dealing with the conflict, we want to run back and sit in his lap and say, oh, hi, Daddy Father. That's as far as we want to take it. We don't want to see him as a supreme God saying, hey, endure a hardship as a good soldier, son. You got to leave the lap you got to get out in the field. You got to leave the arena of the Father's house and get out in the battlefield. Sometimes. Can I have an amen? amen. This is where God's leading us. Are you tightening up yet? Now, here's why I begin to lose some people. Because already you're saying, uh oh. He's going to start challenging us and all of a sudden, boom, the voice doesn't get as clear as what it was a while ago. We got to weigh out whether or not we want this. Amen? Galatians 5 and 17 says, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to another and it causes you to do the things you wouldn't do. 
God says do it this way and everything else in the whole world tells you to do it different, even your friends. Sometimes even the people you love the most can be your worst nightmare. Everything in the world is clamoring after you to disobey God because they know if you obey God, it's a good way. Say good way. It's a perfect way. It's a fruitful way. It's a way of life. But the other way is what? Death. And what's so wonderful about it, even though there may be conflict at the very beginning, when you set your mind to obey God, it yields the peaceable fruits of righteousness. Hallelujah. In other words, the labor that's required to overcome the conflict, the reward is, is worth it. Can I have an amen? And the Beatitudes, especially in Matthew chapter six, go look at it, don't have time, I'm running out of time. Jesus provided the pattern by which each of us is to live as a child of God. It's very simple. We make things so hard at Pentecost. How many wanna grow? Hear from God, it's very simple. You're saying, well, you're not giving us anything new, then, well, if we're not giving you anything new, then you're not obeying what's already been given to you. Amen? And sometimes we want something new, and God says, I can't give you something new until you start obeying what I've already given you. There's no shortcuts. We go to the altar, we want new experiences, but we haven't learned how to handle the experiences we've already had. We've never put them to practice. God didn't bless you just to be blessed. He blessed you for purpose because it's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. And then that repentance forms a discipler. And if you're not doing the discipleship of what the experience is supposed to bring, you're not gonna get any new experiences until you obey what God's already done in you, that work that God's already done in your life. Amen? Am I doing okay this morning? But the pattern that he addresses in, in the in the uh, book of Matthew chapter six, which is the Beatitudes, there are three specific duties of a Christian. Verses one through four, he deals with what? Giving. Just lost some of you. I wish I had time to talk there. There's some people that's never paid tithes. They've never sown into the kingdom of God. They don't, they, they don't understand it. They don't see the importance of it. And they're saying, well, we don't pay tithes, but we do pretty good for Yeah, but they have no idea of the curses coming upon them. Have no idea. And they have no idea where they could be. One through four, he does with giving. And not just giving in tithe and offering, but giving as an individual, giving as a person. My wife the other day was at a store and a young boy, they said, Merry Christmas or whatever it was. And he said, I hate Christmas. And Jenny and another girl kind of started jumping on him a little bit. He said, I ain't received a gift in 15 years. And she knew then what she had to do. As soon as she got her change, she had the change, it was about 15 bucks. She gave it to him. I don't know, I'm butchering the story a little bit, but it was something like this. She can tell it to a more perfect way, but it, it's, it's getting the message across. She said, here, Merry Christmas. It changed his life. He got a Christmas gift, 15 bucks. You gotta be a giving person and if you're gonna be somebody that's gonna disciple, you gotta learn to give. What's another thing? Verses one through four, giving, starting with verse five, he starts dealing with praying. Praying's hard. Some people have not learned how to pray. Some people, when they'll try to pray and if it ain't easy to pray, they think, well, I gotta wait till I get in the frame of mind to pray and, and, and when it comes easy. Sometimes prayer's never easy. And you'll never do any praying if you're waiting for it to be easy. It's hard work. Soon as I kneel down, everything in the world goes through my mind. Dog needs fed. What's that got to do with anything? Turn off the burner. Car needs oil changed. Am I, you looking at me like a, a cow, looking at, is not, and no one else go through that? And by faith, I have to pray, believe in my heavenly Father, here's what I say. And it don't have to be, oh, thou wonderfulest God. 
Holy is the magnificent name. It's, hey, God, Kent's weak here. I'm battling the prayer, help my thoughts get together. Here I am, God, bringing names before you. Here I am talking to you, God. And I talk to him like I'm talking to anybody else. He's my God. And then the next verses, he deals with fasting, which we're going to talk about in just a few minutes. I'm not going to get done. Verses 16 through 18. Now look how he starts out each one of these. Jesus said in verse 1, when you give, say when you give. Verse five, he says, and when you pray. Verse uh, 16, he says, and when you fast. Okay, he made it clear that fasting, like giving and praying, was a normal part of the Christian life. It's normal. We Christians put a lot of emphasis on praying and giving. We don't put a lot on fasting. I remember when I was younger, and I, I've been convicted. I've been challenged. Don't like it, but I got to make some changes. I remember when I was young, I fasted all the time. Man, it was every day, Tuesday fast. Anybody ask you to fast? The church call to fast. We were fasting all the time and praying. We had results. We had moves of God. Come on, somebody. And fasting wasn't just something we'd done at the first of the year for 20 days and never returned back to it. Fasting became a normal way of lifestyle. Amen? What would happen if we say, hey guys, we're gonna pray for 21 days from January the 1st to the 21st and we never pray again? What happens if we say, hey, we're only taking tithes and offering up the first 21 days of January? And yet we say, oh no, you, can't, you, can't, you couldn't operate like that. Then what makes us think that we can operate only fasting from January 1st to the 21st every year and we never do it again? Oh Lord, it's really hammering us, isn't he? This is serious stuff. When Christians put a lot of emphasis on giving and they put a lot of emphasis on praying, but they don't want to do any kind of fasting. You know what that reveals to me? They're not committed to fasting because they're more committed to their appetite. And Proverbs says, a man that's given himself to his appetite get a knife and cut his throat. Wow. That's serious, isn't it? I never heard Jesus say, if you didn't give, cut your hand off. Hello? But he did say that if you're a man given the appetite, fleshly carnal appetite, then put a knife to your throat. We should give just as much attention on fasting as we do to prayer and to giving. If we could just get to the place that fasting becomes a normal way of life for the believer, we would reap supernatural results. God's done told me that. Because some things only come out by prayer and fasting. Everybody wants to see that miraculous, but Jesus says, oh, that's not gonna come unless you pray and fast. But we want it, Daddy, Father. Yeah, but you're not committed to the level of getting it. You've not received the level of anointing to break the yoke upon it. You've not died out enough to where you can operate in that gift. Your flesh is still stronger than your spirit in that arena. Come on. Solomon, when writing the book of wisdom for Israel, he made the point that a cord of rope braided three with three strands would not be easily broken. He said that in the book of Ecclesiastes 4.12. I used this concept a little bit in that fasting thing that I'd done not too long ago. Likewise, when giving, praying, and fasting are practiced together in the life of a believer, it creates a type of threefold cord that can't be broken. In fact, Jesus took it even further by saying to those that fast, to give and to pray, when he got done in verse 16, you know what his next scripture was? With you, nothing shall be impossible. Woo. 
When you give, when you pray, when you fast, he tells you not to do it like the Pharisees. I was gonna get into that, but we're not gonna get there today. He says, when you do this, when you do this, when you do this, and then he looks at him and says, oh, when you do that, if you obey that, to this crowd, there's nothing impossible to them that believe. Woo, get ready, palace. Get ready, palace. Everybody's always wanted to say that we've been called to be an end-time church, that we're a remnant. God spoke that over and over and over and over and over. You want to be that end-time church? Then you got to be like the end-time people that's, that was found in the book of Acts in the earlier church. Can I have an amen? The church of today, I believe, is missing the greatest breakthroughs because we're failing to fast. Remember the parable of the 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold return that Jesus talked about in Mark chapter eight, uh, Mark chapter four, verse eight and verse 20? <coughs> I believe if you give, you get a 30-yield return. I believe if you give and pray, you get 60. I believe if you give and pray and fast, you'll get 100. I believe if you only fast, you'll get 30. I believe if you only give and fast, you only get 60. But when you put them together, you get the 100-fold return. Woo, isn't that wonderful? That's powerful stuff. I want all God's got for us. I don't want just a portion, but the problem of it is, what level of commitment? Some of us are walking around with 30-fold. Some of us walk around 60-fold, there's some that's walking around with 100-fold, everybody wants to be like them. It was like the professor that was at Lee College. The kids would come in during the week to go to school there, and they would come in and sit in the classroom, and he'd get up and start doing riddles and parables that he would make up, and he was revealing to them what they'd done that week on the weekend. And they knew it. Get, it. It was very evident. I mean, he knew what they were doing and he would do it through a real kind of a way. Men, they get to crying and weeping and he'd come over and put his hands on his shoulder and he'd lead them into repentance. Finally, one day, the class just stopped and said, Professor so-and-so, I can't remember his name now, said, I don't understand. Said, how do you know that we're doing these things out on the weekends? And he rolled up his britches legs and he had about that much callus on his knees. He said, through much praying and fasting. We want those gifts of reading people's mail, but are we wanting to tuck ourselves away and do fasting and praying and giving? Can I have an amen? I'm gonna hurry. Yeah, I gotta hurry. Paul was fasting when God called him. In the book of Acts chapter nine, verse seven through nine, and gave him an assignment for his life. Peter was fasting upon the rooftop when God called him to go to Cornelius' house to reach out to the Gentiles and bring the gospel to them. See what fasting does? Fasting prepares the way for God to give you fresh revelation, fresh wisdom, fresh vision and purpose. I'm gonna start doing more fasting. I'm committing that to this body right now. I need it not only for the spiritual side, I need it for the physical side. I can't do it. And when you do it, don't do it like the Pharisees. Go around, oh man, I'm so hungry. I've been fasting for 10 days. No one needs to know what you're doing. I got tickled. Jerry Murphy told me a story of a guy that finally set out and fasted 40 days. Finally made it and was very proud of himself and Everybody was talking to him how much weight he lost and he started bragging about, oh, I fasted for 40 days and all that and all of a sudden the Lord spoke to him, well, you have your reward. Oh, Lord, have mercy. But something else that God says when you fast and when you pray, when you give that I didn't bring out. And he said, not only is there nothing impossible to this people that do this, he said, whatever you do in private, I wanna reward you openly. 
<laughs> when we as a congregation begin to understand this principle, I gotta learn to commit to God my giving, my praying, and my fasting. God then, what I do in secret will reward me openly. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. Things will begin to happen. How many love this scripture in Joel 2.28? And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And, if and upon my servants and upon my handmaids I'll pour out my spirit, saith the Lord. How many lives that promise? We Pentecostals preach it all the time. But we preach it not understanding the true meaning of it. He said, afterwards, I will put, after what? You gotta know what's going on prior to that verse in order to understand what he's alluding to. They're in trouble. The nation is sinful. God is calling them to a fast and a solemn assembly. And he calls them and he says, call a fast, form a assembly. Even the children, he says, in all of the nation, both women and men. The decree went out. The whole nation gathered with their children. And they started having a solemn assembly. The women, the men, and the children themselves begin to fast. Some of the things we gotta teach our children is, we go home and we say, well, we're fasting but the rest of the house is eating. Why can't the children learn how to fast? Children need to learn how to fast. They may not have to fast the amount the grown-ups do, but you need to teach your children how to fast. And you just sit down and tell them why we're fasting. Watch this. And then he says, if you'll repent, have the solemn assembly, And after you have that solemn assembly and you fast and you repent, after you've been obedient to that, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So if I'll commit to fasting on Tuesdays for a while, Bill, he's fasting over here on Fridays. I don't know nothing about it. Donna's fasting 40 days, thank God it's her. Come on, I'm just giving illustrations. Oh, Jerry here has took on fasting a couple of days a week. No, Brother Richardson, he's doing a meal a day. Sophie's doing a meal a day. And before long, as we begin to do this, guess what happens? Guess what happens? The very thing that's been prophesied over us decreed and declared is now being put in motion to come and be manifested. Hallelujah, folks. When Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. What was the first thing the devil tried to do? He tried to get him to break the fast. If you be the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. He knew if he could get him off of his assignment and get him to break his fast and eat bread, the manifestation of the true reason of why he was in the wilderness would have never been brought to pass. Now God spoke to me and I said, God, why are you so easy on us on this fast? Am I wrong? He said, no. He said, I want the church to be committed to at least a minimal of one meal a day for 21 days and I want their bodies to begin to get prepared for a lifestyle of fasting. We're gonna fast for 21 days but the fast is gonna be all year. 21 days is the preparation work. 21 days is just getting us to where we're, you know, you know it's hard to fast five days in a row by just going cold turkey. Amen? Some of you can't even put a cup of coffee away for an hour. 
I get headaches if I don't drink my coffee. Well, join the crowd, guys. Everybody that fasts gets a headache. Amen? It's not easy. I wish I could just preach all day. It's just in me. Hallelujah. Maybe I will. We got a new year. Can we make a chain here for a little bit? And this fasting isn't for us to earn anything. It's a lie. I'm not trying to earn the anointing. I'm trying to just position myself to receive the anointing he's already promised for me by grace, it's freely given. But I can't receive it when I'm unaware of it because I'm not in the alignment and in the position to receive it. Can I have an amen? So what I'm asking you to do as a pastor with me, take 21 days and fast any way you want to those 21 days, but get prepared. Some of you are saying, man, I can't believe he's only asking me to do it a day, a meal a day. Yeah, but watch out because when you get done that 21 days, God's going to speak to you. And then he's going to tell each individual what he requires of them in their fasting. And then whether or not we're the remnant church that's able to be able to have the anointing that breaks the yoke and the power of sin upon a generation is going to be determined of whether or not we're giving and we're praying and, and we're fasting. And that cannot just be, okay, I heard a good sermon in January and we do it to March and then we quit doing it. One of the trends I don't like that I see in the body of Christ when I was preaching on the harvest in August and September of last year, I done a whole series. During that series, people were coming in like crazy and giving their heart and life to Christ because people were evangelizing. And then in October, when I quit the series, little by little, that zeal dwindled away and we never done it anymore. I cannot stay on one topic because I got too many people coming in that's got to have a variety of the word. Come on, somebody. I cannot legislate this from the pulpit. I can only teach you, and if you don't run with it, it's not going to happen. If the nation of Israel did not call the solemn assembly and fast, the afterwards of the outpouring would have never happened. So we as a body, again, how much do we really want to hear from God? How hungry are we? How much do we want him? One of the things I found out, and I've, I've used this as an example before, I fasted a long period of time, and I ain't gonna tell you the amount of days because it's not about bragging and it's not about anything like that. And I was on Ninth and Cedar, and my wife was saying, said to me after the fast was broken, boy, I'm glad your fast is over. It was hard on the whole family. I went a long, long, long time. And I get in the car, and when I fast, I don't chew gum. I don't put anything to my lips but water. That's it. Nothing of sugar content at all. Nothing but water. And so I'm, I'm fasting all these days and we're leaving on a Sunday night and I'm out on Indian Highway and I'm about a fourth way home and the Holy Spirit said, you can end your fast. I put on my brakes, squalling the tires. She said, what's going on? I'm turning the car around. I said, we're going to Pizza Inn. I've been craving a pizza for 14 days. She said, why did you fast over? We got there, and the first bite of that pizza didn't even taste good. And it was like, you know what? I could do without this. I had whipped my appetite to the point that I was almost felt guilty to eat it because I really, I could have done without it. After several days of fasting, I'd broken that appetite to the point that I thought, why am I even eating? That's just a habit. I, I've got this thing. Now, now, I don't say you can whip yourself to where you can never eat, but at that point I did for that momentary time. I almost didn't take another bite but I did, 
And the next day, I ate again. And now you can see what happened. <laughs> Blew up like a butterfly. Because instead of eating a few pieces of pizza, that's all my stomach would hold, now I can eat two pizzas and want more. They don't get rich on me on the bars, Bubba. And the problem of it is, is there's too many of us like that. God's speaking to us about it. He's talking to us seriously about it. Or he is me. And now, as we align ourselves, it's gonna get easier to hear the voice of God. Amen? And when the 21-day fast is over, you are to have a keener ear, a more dyed-out flesh to where God can take you where you're at now on your level of commitment and take you to a deep-rooted commitment. of, And then you know what? You'll go there and you'll stay there for a few years, months or whatever, and he'll revisit you. And the process will start all over. Somebody says, well, when do you ever keep quit evolving or changing? When you get in the grave. You fight it all the way to the grave. We never arrive to where we need to be, but we're gonna get as close as we can to the full, full statue of Christ. Would you stand with me, please?